I'll leave that there to distract you for the rest of the session. <laughs> well, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you this morning and to share with you um, about the path. Uh, being on this path, on this quest that we're on, we make a lot of decisions. And sometimes the decisions that we make are good decisions. At other times, our decisions are not so good. We make the bad decisions that leads us in the wrong direction. And we don't exactly stay on the path that God has laid out for us. I come to you on a journey of my own today. My family and I are with you today as day two on our vacation. So, uh, yeah, get to spend some time in Huntsville, Alabama on vacation. Thank you very much for the invitation to be here. <laughs> Uh, but we're on this journey. Uh, you know, it just happens to take us a few miles south first, but ultimately we'll be up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, of all places, uh, before we turn around and come back. And you know, so we'll ho- we're hoping to see Chicago, some things down there, maybe St. Louis. The Mall of America is the destination, in case you were wondering. <laughs> I don't know how much shopping we'll be doing, but I hear there's an amusement park in there we might have some fun with. So we're looking this morning at how the path we follow determines our destination. And it's important for us to ask those questions. You know, how are the decisions that we make day by day determining the path that we follow? Now, my family and I are here with you this morning, but I come to you as a representative of Johnson University, as has already been made clear today. I'm the director of church relations with Johnson. And my experience with Johnson, you know, I I could tell you about the path that I followed that got me to Johnson University. And if I told you that story, you would be able to see clearly how the Lord was working in that situation to get my family and I to Christ, to get us to follow Him to Johnson, ultimately into ministry where we were a couple years in Honduras, Central America, and now working for Johnson University. There is a story about the path that I have been on. And I imagine there's a story about the path that you've been on. Some way or another, the Lord has laid before you some options. And you chose to follow one direction or another. What I'm asking you this morning to do as we begin this message is to consider the options that are laid before us. And to really ask ourselves if we're going to take the right steps to be on the path that we're supposed to be on. Because the path we're supposed to be on isn't necessarily always the easiest. It's not always the one we want. But it is always the one that is right. Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, we come before you today in full recognition of who we are, who we really are. Not who people around us think we are. But we come to you because we know you see through everything about us that might be false. We lay our lives before you this morning, Lord, and ask that you would reach in, that you would speak to us and give us your guidance and blessings so that we ultimately would go forth from here and make the decisions on the right paths to follow, knowing that the path we choose today determines where we end up tomorrow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Well, we're going to start this morning with Moses. Moses addressing the Israelites. You may recall uh, Moses addressing the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. And he gave him this challenge. He said, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How often do we stop, really, and consider the path that we're about to follow? It's, you know, in this world that moves so fast, we are presented with choices, and we make a decision like that. We don't stop. We don't think about it. We sort of jump without thinking. And you know, the Lord is good. Praise the Lord for His graciousness that He can work through our missteps. But wouldn't it be good if sometimes we just stopped and said, now wait a minute, Lord, is this from you? Is the step I'm about to take or the decision I'm about to make the decision that would honor you? You're walking in the mall and you see somebody drop a 20. What do you do? Oh, praise the Lord for blessing me with a $20 bill. It'd be easy to do, wouldn't it? person's dropped it. They've kept on walking. So do we pick it up and pocket it? Or do we pick it up and chase after the guy that dropped it? Or the lady that dropped it? Or the little kid that dropped it and who tonight would be heartbroken because he found out that he didn't have the money that he came to the mall with? There's a there's a young man that I know, uh, his name's Brock, and I had learned about this young man. He, uh, he was not a Christian, did not grow up in a Christian home, but he was under some influence of some Christian young men, and these Christian young men sort of got him to start learning a little bit about Christ. Uh, he started going to all these youth group functions, and ultimately he gave his life to the Lord. He went with this Christian youth group on uh, several college tours, stopping at several schools that if I mentioned their names, you would know them. And uh, ultimately, when he got back home, he was faced with the realization that the Lord was calling him into ministry, and he needed to tell his parents. His parents were not Christians. His parents didn't want anything to do with God. As a matter of fact, throughout Brock's growing up life, he and his parents had this dialogue about how Brock was going to go to this great university, very expensive university, going into this program where he would be making a lot of money. His parents were ready to pay for it, give him the full ride. Brock wasn't going to need to get any loans or anything else. That was the plan before Brock went on this college road trip. And when he came back with that burden, a path was laid out before him. Do I go down the path that mom and dad and I have always talked about? Or do I go down this other path that I feel like God is calling me to go down? Folks, we're faced with paths like crazy. 
And, and it's just good for us to stop sometimes and recognize that we have a direction to go. With Brock, he got up the courage to tell his parents that he did not want to go and make bank. He wanted to go and save lives. And they said, essentially, if that's your decision, you don't have our support. Now, Christian parents will say the same thing to their youth today. We're fighting a battle as Johnson University. Florida Christian College, Cincinnati, Kentucky, St. Louis, Milligan, you name the Christian colleges, they're all fighting battles because today parents don't want their kids to go in the ministry. They want, their par- they want their kids to go into an occupation that makes money. Now you tell me what's more important, making money or saving lives. The answer is obvious, isn't it? But we are so concerned about money and getting what I want and, you know, it's got to be good for me and that kind of thing that we forget life is never, ever about us. And if we begin to think it is about us, then we've done something wrong. So here's what Brock's faced. He labored over this decision for a long time before talking to his parents. Have you labored over any decisions? You've bathed it in prayer and you're just not certain what to do. You're looking for the path God wants. That's what we should be doing. Looking for the path God wants. Going down that path. But you've bathed it in prayer and found God just not there. Not responding to your cries. There's three reasons why that could happen. We're going to talk about those three reasons this morning. And ultimately, how our response to those leads us to our journey, to our destination. You may remember the Verizon commercials, right? The technicians moving around a little bit everywhere and gets to a certain location. Can you hear me now? Good. And on he goes, right? The idea is communicated that he's trying to always be in signal and that somehow Verizon always has the towers in the right places so that no matter where you go, you're in signal. You are in communication, close enough to be able to talk to whoever you need to talk to. And this Verizon commercial also suggests that if you go with other characters, other characters, <laughs> other <laughs> carriers, other providers, that you will not find yourself always in signal. And that's what we're talking about this morning. In order for us to walk down the right path in our spiritual journey, we have to make sure that we are always in range of a good communication signal with God. How do we get in range that way? People do all sorts of things to make sure that they're in range with their cell phone. You know, they're holding it up here and they're trying to find something to climb on. Okay, I got a signal now so that they can make their calls. They do all kinds of crazy things. They look pretty silly. But the idea is God is everywhere. He doesn't go anywhere. If anybody is not in communication with God, it's because they moved somehow. So that's that's what we're facing. People do all sorts of things to stay within range of a cell phone signal when they need the signal. But when they don't need the signal, they don't pay any attention to it. Some places clearly provide us with better signals than others. If you want to follow along in the Word with me, Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. Let me read this passage for you real quick. Paul writing to the church in Philippi. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. That passage right there, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, where Paul is admonishing this Philippian Philippian church, he talks about rejoicing in the Lord. What? Always. Always. That means good and bad. Doesn't matter how much we like the situation that life has thrown out at us. Rejoice in the Lord always. And if we do rejoice in the Lord always, we find ourselves in this place of strength. So when we live in an attitude of always rejoicing, we're strengthened from it. Paul also admonishes them when, to live in gentleness and humility. When we live in gentleness and humility, according to Paul, we know the Lord is near because we can respond to whatever situation life has thrown out at us we can we can respond to people who attack us and ridicule us if we respond with gentleness and humility the lord is near when we exercise trust in the lord instead of worry or fear paul says you find peace do you trust the lord that much that no matter what life throws at you you have the peace Paul says that uh, when we pray, we should pray with gratitude. That praying with gratitude will protect our hearts and minds in Christ. And when our thoughts dwell on what is good, God is with us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Live in gentleness and humility. Live in trust. Pray with gratitude and dwell on what is good. The Lord is near. The Hebrew writer goes on, he encourages us to stay close to the signal when he admonished his readers to persevere in the faith. Now, once again, if you want to go with me to the scriptures, Hebrew chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And you're probably going to beat me there. Let's see. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning, what have we received? I, I'm, I'm sorry, if we, keep on, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Paul, or sorry, yeah, the Hebrew writer there has some pretty strong words, but what he was saying in verses 19 through 25 was to encourage us in our journey, in our walk, to draw near to God. That we find that we are at a place of greatest strength when we have drawn near to God. And we also find that uh, if we draw near to God, we're in a position where we can hold firmly to hope. Hold unswervingly to the hope that's been held out for us. That we persist in encouragement of one another and in fellowship with each other. And Hebrews 10.36 tells us why we need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. The path you take in your journey begins right here with these letters. Paul's letter to the Philippians. And the Hebrew, writing address, uh, Hebrew writer addressing these people. The best way for us to take the best path is to stay connected to God. Some people only acquire a good signal in designated locations. Doing funny things to get that signal. The problem is they only go there when they need to communicate. And the rest of the time their life is out of range. Are you dwelling day by, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute in Christ, in God? That's where you find the position of greatest strength and the discernment to make the right decisions. Most of you have probably seen that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Well, one of the, one of the scenes that always jumps out at me and just sort of is a sad commentary to me is when Moses and God are talking to the angel Clarence before he goes down to earth. And he's, they're running Clarence up on the life of George Bailey. And one of the things that uh, they encounter, uh, they're, they're telling Clarence about George Bailey, and they say, like everybody else, on VE Day he wept and he prayed. And on VJ, VJ Day he wept and he prayed again. Like everyone else. Remember when 9-11 happened to us? Boy, the church experienced the greatest one-day revival in history. Because at the time of crisis, everybody went and they wept and they prayed. But when we found out that the world didn't come to an end and that our country was not collapsing and that we weren't about to experience nuclear war on our shores, it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I don't need God after all. And we went right back to where we always were. That's the problem with our journey, our spiritual journey, is that sometimes we only go to God when something happens in our life that's a crisis and we need Him. 
Otherwise, la, 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 la. God, I don't have time to hear you because I'm too busy doing my own thing. You ever find yourself like everyone else? On special days, and maybe under extreme circumstances, you'll try and listen to him. What about the other days of the year? Many people are foul-weather Christians, meaning that they're only Christians when the weather is foul. But what about when, the, when times are good? You know, whether foul or good, God is still God. He is still there, and He still wants our devotion. There was a warning issued to the Laodicean church in Revelation. It's a warning for us as well, Revelation 3, 14 to 22. Oops. Come on. <laughs> Revelation three fourteen to 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears to hear, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the Hebrew writer here is, is, uh, I'm sorry, the writer of Revelations here is is giving us that warning. Pursuing God. How does pursuing God at all times impact our destination? Well, if we don't pursue God at all times, it's going to be a lot easier for us to go down the wrong path. Pursuing God at all times enables us to operate in this world without fear. It means that it doesn't matter what happens on days like 9-11. We still have full assurance that God is good, God is God, and we can get through this. It, it, it means that doing, by relying on God at all times, it enables us to take risks for God in full confidence that whether those risks succeed or fall, God is still God, and God is still good, and we can trust Him, and the name of the Lord is still to be praised. It means that For us to be in a position where God can use us for His purposes, we need to be in a position where we hear from Him and have our hearts and minds open to what He might have to say to us. You know, another reason, a second reason that God may seem silent is that we may not be listening. We may not be listening because... uh, you know, in, in order to ensure that our GPS, our God positioning system, is working, 
We need to focus on operating day by day, hour by hour, in close proximity to the tower. Not just going there when we need it, but operating all the time right next to it. In the Israelite conquest of Cana, Joshua and the people of Israel encountered God's distance as a result of sin. In this case, God didn't move away. His people did. Do you remember that whole encounter? Uh, Israel comes over into the land of Canaan, and they attack a city, and the idea is everything in the city is dedicated to God. It's to be burned. It's to be refined. Nobody can take anything, none of the plunder. It's all dedicated to God. And one man decides he's not going to listen. He sees a robe. He sees some some coin that, that he wants to pocket, and so he does. And it made the whole community guilty. So the next battle they faced, they got routed, lost several people. Well, that's what we're facing here uh, with the Israelite conquest, that God, God didn't move away, His people did. Now, what are you doing? What am I doing in our life, in our battle against sin? Are we giving in to the temptation to take things that are dedicated to God and use them for our own purposes? Or are we instead making sure that we are in close enough proximity to God that we don't have that temptation? You know, Joshua's instructions to the Israelites were clear enough, but then you find out they didn't want to listen. And they didn't go, they didn't do what Joshua had told them to do. Paul tells the Colossian church in 121 that they too were once alienated from God and were enemies because of evil behavior. Because this is my life. I can do what I want to do. And I don't want to listen to God. I don't want to go where God wants me to go. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I just want to do what Tyson wants to do. But if I'm not close enough to that tower, that signal... I'm going to find that the path I take in my spiritual journey is going to lead me astray. Joshua told the Israelites in 24:15, "If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." If we hope to hear from God, we need to focus on being in the right place to hear Him. The main question for us is, where are we going to spend our time? Where are you going to spend your time? You're going to get up out of here and you're going to go out. Maybe you're going to go out and have lunch today somewhere out there. Um, Where are you going in your spiritual life when you get up and leave these doors this morning? What is the path that you're going to take? I'm asking you, I'm imploring you to make sure that you take the path of God. To make sure that you are staying connected to His signal, being in His Word, praying, worshiping, together in fellowship and community. That's a good place to be, and any time you can be there, that's where you should be. How does pursuing God in all places impact our destination? Because if we're pursuing God in all places, we can be sure that the path we follow is the right path. Finally, the third reason here that God may seem silent to us 
is that we don't want to listen to him. We've made the decision. It has nothing to do with how close we are to the cell tower, whether we're in signal or out of signal. We just don't want to listen to him. And so we turn it off. But John 10.27, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, if you use a GPS, you're driving down the road, and you've got a 20, 30-mile stretch to go, the GPS isn't going to keep saying, go straight, go straight, go straight. You know, it tells you when to make the turn. You hear it. You make the turn when you're supposed to make the turn. And if if you've got several miles to go, it's not going to keep talking to you. If you're following the right path, don't expect to hear from God all the time because he's content with where you are. That's the way a God positioning system is working. Is God silent? Maybe, maybe it's because he likes where you are. I hope that's the case with us, that he likes where we are. But make sure that where you are is in line, in range of the cell tower. Paul's charge to Timothy reminds us of life on the narrow road and the contentment that comes as a result. 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-19. We'll we'll jump over to this one. 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-19. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has, has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. To take hold of the life that is truly life means that we're living in this constant state of following him, serving him, being guided by him with our ears attentive to his directions and instructions. Are we looking after orphans and widows in their distress? According to James 1.27, we're in the Lord's will. 
Are we people who are giving and loving and merciful towards others without expecting anything in return? According to Luke 6, we are blessed. Are we people who are cheerful and gentle and peaceful? According to Philippians 4, the peace of God is with us. Paul charges Timothy in, in 6, 6 to 19, as I read, um, that life on the narrow road leads to contentment, and contentment is great gain. Not pursuing dishonest gain, money, or things that are meaningless or unimportant, but pursuing instead what is most important. It is pursuing God. Do you remember the story of Jonah? Yeah, of course. One of the first stories we hear. But that story of Jonah I want to mention to you this morning because here was Jonah, a prophet who was in position to hear the word of the Lord. And he heard the word of the Lord, but he didn't like it. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to Nineveh and preach against that city. <laughs> I don't want to go to Nineveh. And what's, what's he do instead? He decides that, let's see, he's going to go, uh, yeah, he's going to go to Tarshish. And uh, let's see. Yeah, his GPS rerouted him uh, into the belly of a whale. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took a cruise before that. Wasn't anything to do with Nineveh, was it? We can get off track, and God can still get us back on track. You know, before he got cast into the ocean and into the belly of the whale, he came to that realization that he had taken the misstep and that it was his fault bad things were happening. Realize the misstep when you take it. Listen to God trying to slap you back on course. And then get there. Get back on course. Get in range of the cell tower. Start listening to your GPS when it's giving you the directions. That wasn't God's intention that Jonah should go to the belly of a whale. It was to go to Nineveh and preach against the city. Now, I hate the way that story ends because, you know, Jonah didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to burn. (laughs) Terrible. But God is a God of mercy. It doesn't matter how far away we've fallen. He can still get us back on the path. And the path that we are on and the choices that we make determine that destination. What destination lies before you today? I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you this morning, we all stand at this crossroads. We're looking forward to trying to determine the best route to take in our spiritual journey. In recognition that the path we choose now will impact where we end up later. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus lays out essentially two options for us. We can choose the path that is wide and offers the least resistance. We might like to take it. It's easy. It's a great place to go. But in the end, it doesn't lead where we need to be. Or we can take the path that is straight and narrow. Unfortunately, too few take this path. But the path that is straight and narrow leads down King's Highway to the holy city, the city of golden streets, pearly gates, and crystal seas. The difficult choice now lies before us. What path will you take? 
Johnson University is in this unique position where we have had faithful people in the past taking paths that were bathed in prayer and focused on doing what God wanted it to do. And today we find ourselves being in the enviable position of being a strong academic university with a strong financial backing and great support from churches like yours. And it's because of you, it's because of the faithfulness of the people in the past to follow the paths that God laid out before them that brought us to where we are today, this close to a merger with Florida Christian College. As a matter of fact, July 1st, press conference is called for significant changes for Johnson University, and that is the partnership merger with Florida. We are thankful because God has put us in this position where we could help Florida out of some trying circumstances. And now we have two strong Christian universities in this side of the country, and you guys right in the middle of us, <laughs> which is great. Uh, uh, John, come on up here for a second. John here, uh, you know, you know he comes from Florida. <laughs> we won't hold that against him. No, thank we're you, glad you. to have you as an... <laughs> We're glad to have you as now an alumni of Johnson University. <laughs> He's here as your minister because he was following paths that God laid out for him. Uh, I'm thankful to have him here as a representative of Florida and also now as a representative of Johnson University. I'm sorry, XL is all that we have. Hey, it's all right. Good luck to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you it's very a, much for what you do. It's like one of those honorary doctorate program things. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> you notice the colors? You know, we're picking yeah. up the Florida orange, and uh, it's, nice. a, it's a pretty nice thing. So down Johnson University, Tennessee, Florida, and online. Um, we're appreciative of the paths that have been laid out, and I'm praying for you that in your life God will work in such a way that the path he lays out before you, you will follow. And where it leads is pretty great. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for what, uh, what you've said in your word about following you and how really that does bring about so many blessings for us. So we ask for your guidance and pray for your leadership in our lives and that we would have ears to hear and the willingness to follow where you lead. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.